You guys, welcome back to the podcast. You are listening to Let It Out with me. I'm your host, Katie Dalebout. And today I have Julie Pyatt back on the podcast. She was one of my first guests a while ago, back in 2013, when I first started this. And she's great. We talk about community, we talk about social media, we talk about hosting and family and plant-based cheese because that's what her book, This Cheese is Nuts, is all about. We talk about aging, we talk about mothering, we talk about raising children and unschooling and plant-based food and eating. And she's just really great. I like her a lot as a person. She's really cool. Happy 4th of July week. I moved again this weekend. And I just have a funny story to tell you about what happened yesterday. So by yesterday, I mean two days ago from the day I'm recording this. I was moving and we bring everything in. And we went up a million flights of stairs. We took a million trips. It was the hottest day maybe ever. And everything's great. I get everything unpacked and we're about to leave for the day. We're about to go get dinner. We're very excited. And next thing we know, I'm just reaching for my, you know, yellow backpack. That's my purse. It's also a children's size backpack. So no one would even know it's a purse. And it has my wallet and everything important in it. And it's gone. We can't find it anywhere. We think maybe we left it in the lift on the way to the move. We think maybe we left it on the street and somebody accidentally threw it away in the trash can. We looked everywhere. We looked under the bed. We looked at everybody's bag and it's gone. We were fully, fully sure that it was gone. We called the Lyft driver. We thought maybe we left it there. My Instagram story came in very handy because we could figure out it wasn't at the last place I was staying because we saw that it was gone and we saw that it was in the Lyft drive with us because as I was, you know, just documenting my life on my Instagram story, there it is, the yellow backpack, the chartreuse backpack. And it's gone. It's not there. So we go to Target. Luckily, my boyfriend, Nick, was here. (laughs) And so he just had to pay for my lifestyle. And we got a good dinner. I had a good attitude. Everything was good. It just, we kind of were like, okay, it's gone. So I put a hold on my credit cards, all my different cards. Everything's great. Not great, but it's like, well, it is what it is. And the next morning, I was like a little bit upset because I was like, this is a lot to deal with. I have to change all my accounts. And we go through the day thinking it's gone. I fully cancel all my cards. I pay for rush delivery of the new cards. We have to go all the way uptown so I can get cash at this credit union, blah, blah, blah. And then after all of this, hours later, what was I even grabbing from the closet? No. We're installing the shoe rack in the closet? That's right. We're installing the shoe rack in the closet. And guess what? (laughs) The yellow backpack was just hanging out right there in the closet, plain as day. I don't even think I said any words to you when I picked it up. It was behind a dress, I think. It was behind a dress, so maybe not plain as day, but it was in the closet. And I come out, and I I I didn't even say any words. I just said, I just showed you it, and you fell down onto the ground. Yeah, I laid down for a while. We both just laid down, and we laughed super hard. And then I called all my credit cards again to tell them that they didn't need to be canceled. And actually, please don't cancel them because then I have to change all my accounts. Anyway, I just thought it was the funniest story that's maybe ever happened to me. Probably hearing it, it doesn't sound funny at all. But 
Now I promise I'm going to get to the episode with Julie Pyatt, which I think you guys will really like. Again, take it in, take what you want, leave the rest. No judgment on what you're eating, whether it's plant-based, whether it's not, but just, you know, listen to this, find some new ideas maybe. She's really cool. I like her a lot. I actually got to record this in person in Soho at this very cool apartment that I got to go to, and she made me dinner after, and it was lovely, and I got to hang out with her and Leah, who's her photographer and her assistant. She took all the photos in her new book, and we just had a really great girls' night in. It was lovely. All right, so before we get to the episode, we have to talk about the amazing sponsors. First of all, Care Of. You know Care Of. You love Care Of. We're all unique people with unique bodies, and we have different needs, and that's what makes us so great and special, and Care Of understands that. That's why they create a simple solution that makes taking vitamins and finding your body's unique vitamin combination really easy and actually really fun. If you go to their website, takecareof.com, you take a simple quiz. It asks you questions about your lifestyle, your energy levels, your stress levels, And it comes up with this really great curated package of vitamins that you can take that are great for you. And since in this week's episode, we talk about motherhood, there's something new with Care Of, and this is really cool. They have new prenatal and pregnancy packets that are formulated based on where your body is at in the process of pre, during, or post-pregnancy. And whether you're trying to get pregnant or you're currently pregnant or breastfeeding, these vitamins are great for you in that stage. They're easy on the stomach and they have minerals specific to the hormone and nutrient needs for you at this time that you're going through. So go to takecareof.com now to get your personalized recommendation and use the code Katie, that's my name, K-A-T-I-E, at checkout for 50% off your first order. That's 50%. That is half of the percents. Anyway, check them out. I love care of. We love them. Okay. Also, we have a new sponsor this week. They're called LBOX, and I love them. I'm obsessed with them. I think they're great, and I can't wait for you guys to hear what they are. So listen, they are this really cool company that is totally changing the way you experience your period. They make it easy for your body and your self-care during that time of the month, and they use all natural products, and they get them to you at the lowest price. So, you know, we're all people living our lives, being conscious of what we put in our bodies. We're probably being conscious of our skincare now with, you know, chemicals. But what about what you put in your vagina? (laughs) you got to be careful of that, right? I completely agree. Yeah, he agrees. Here's why. The FDA doesn't accurately, they don't actually at all, they don't regulate what goes into tampons. So there's a lot of chemicals and bleach and pesticides and chlorine, and we're putting that into our vaginas, the most absorbent part of our body, and it has a direct link to our reproductive organs. So LBOX ships 100% organic cotton. They use nothing else, no toxins, no dyes, no synthetic materials. And they deliver to your body, your body and yourself, this monthly box at a super low cost. So that way you never have to run out of tampons. You know, the time of the month comes and you're not having your tampons. That's always a pain. You have to go to the store. But here's the thing. 
it's not just tampons and pads or whatever you need for your specific period that you pick, but it's also a comfort box with goodies and fun things that make this time of the month better for you, which I love. We all need things like tea and chocolate and things to just make us feel better during that time, and they know that, so they create this curated box. It's lovely. But here's the reason that I really, really, really love them, you guys. Do you remember getting your first period? You probably do. It was probably traumatic. I hope it wasn't, but it's likely that it might have been. But this is the thing about LBOX. They're changing the way that girls experience their first periods. So this is great for maybe your own kids, maybe your sisters, maybe your nieces, maybe your neighbors, maybe you know any other girls in your life starting their periods. These first period boxes include an educational guide with the top quality products for this time of the month and also comforting items like we talked about before. And it has everything that they need to experience their first period in a more mindful way and help them reduce fear and anxiety around having a menstrual cycle. And you can even get it to them before their first period to help educate and fill the gap of not knowing what this new part of their body is doing. Anyway, I love LBOX. Check them out. That was kind of long, but I just wanted to explain all of it. Go to lboxco.com slash Katie. Just follow the link in the show notes, but it's lboxco.com slash Katie. That's my name. And that's how you're going to get your first essential box free. Absolutely free. You don't even have to pay for it. So you might as well try it. You know what? Congratulations to you on your new free LBOX and your 50% off your care of supplements. And now I'm going to finally let you listen to Julie Pyatt. Thanks for listening to me ramble. I'll talk to you at the end with the emoji. First of all, thank you for doing this of again. Of course. Are you kidding? It's so fun to meet you in person. I, can't, I almost can't believe that I, I hadn't met you in person. Because I feel like I did. I know. It was yeah. so chill just like coming over here and I wasn't like nervous to meet a new person or and right. it was just felt like, oh, this is this person that's been in my life for so many years. Exactly. You're like, oh, I know her. Yeah. No, it's perfect. It's great. So I'm glad we could fit it in. You're you're a newcomer to the city. I know. <clears throat> and wait, you used to live here, right? Uh uh-uh. uh. No. When I thought when you were in fashion you lived here no but I like that dream yeah <laughs> that's like somewhere in no my I was a fashion designer in LA okay and I lived in Paris oh that's maybe what I'm thinking um of. for some time when I was in college oh yeah that's I when I became a cheese expert that's oh, what gave me the really? foundation no I'm just saying oh. that but you know <laughs> we'll get into that's the that. tie-in <laughs> yeah yeah no. we'll get into all that yeah so cool. before we get into cheese and your book and everything that's happened since 2013 and our last podcast yeah. and everything that's going to happen in the future. I've been really liking starting this podcast with the present. Yeah. So what have you been thinking and feeling and realizing and contemplating in like the last day or week or like super recently? This is actually a really good question. It's, um, we are having a discussion actually with uh, some friends of ours, Mariana and, and Colin, who are, Colin's a tea master that we take with us on retreat. Um, when Rich and, Rich and I do our week-long retreats in Europe and Ireland and Italy. And the other person is one of the people who came on the retreats um, as, a, as an attendee and 
she and Colin fell in love and now they're in a relationship. Really? Yeah, so, and they live part-time in Miami. So I was just that is in... so cool. It was sweet. It's our first love, kind of real love connection. There's lots of deep friendships and yeah. great business things going on, but our first love connection. So Rich and I feel like little parents of yeah. our little, that we fostered this. But anyway, so we were in Miami and I had uh, my book launch. I had a big dinner, sit down dinner at Sacred Space for 70 people. Oh it was extraordinary. Maybe we'll get into that later. Yeah. But um, I'm bringing this up because what's been up for me this week, and we've had extensive conversations about it, is really what is the downside of social media mm. and I think you and I talked about this because I asked yeah. you how you were feeling about it I think the second interview that we had yeah. and you know we were you know every once in a while I'll look at Leah when we're you know in the middle of you know insta storying or taking photos or we're on Instagram and I'll just say like like, are there like advanced beings that are just looking down on us and they're saying, and look at them, they ran around with their phones and took pictures of themselves. Yeah. And they were, they were putting all this energy into this one thing because they didn't understand they could just meditate or they didn't understand they could just, you know, just sort of be. And, you know, obviously Rich is very present on social media and I am too now, especially with my book. And of course, without it, we would never have met. Right. I wouldn't be having this interview with you. Um, but we were talking about what is that balance and what is that fine line? And I was talking about how just Insta-storying or sharing things because, just because everybody's doing it, I, I can feel this huge energetic garbage dump of energetic waste that's being projected into the collective. And then Colin uh, was offering, you know, he's a, a physician of Chinese medicine, a very amazing meditator and tea, tea master. And he was saying, yeah, we, you know, we were reflecting about how everybody is so on their phones, they're not even experiencing the moment that's yeah. happening. And so that's what's been on my mind. And, <clears throat> and I have some thoughts about it and wanted to write about it. And of course, I just finished eight weeks of a full-on push, you know, for my cheese book. And, you know, you create this amazing, you know, asset or creative expression. And in order to really say to myself that I did everything to nurture yeah. that project, I had, I was required to do what I did. However, um, there was a lot of discernment in what I did and how I was doing it. And I think we did a pretty good job, probably not perfect, um, but we tried to do things that were only in organic alignment with me and what I was doing in order to spread to spread the word. And you know, and then you run into people, you know, people came to my book signing at Books and Books, and they're like, oh, I wish I would have known about your dinner in Miami. And I'm thinking, are you serious? Like, we were so, I was so yeah. sensitive to like over posting about right. it. And then you have people that are like, oh, I wish I could have come, you know? Yeah. So I don't know, that's really been up for me. And, and it was up for me a long time ago when I was sharing with you because um, I was listening to one of my great spiritual allies, Lisa Renee, today, and um, she was talking about this uh, this condition by, we'll just say, energy that don't want humans to wake up, and it's this tactic of distract, distract them, mm -hmm. keep them focused on something else rather than their spiritual evolution, rather than the transformation. It's almost like, look here, not here. Mm. And I think where we experienced that, at least in my world, was with the Trump election. 
be, and this this concept of alternative news. So we we're watching something on our social channels, thinking there's a specific reality, when in fact a lot of that is being curated to a specific viewpoint. And the danger of that is that I use this analogy, and I was telling Leah and Rich, it's like. I am, I am a really horrible gambler. Like, I will go to Vegas and sit at a table, which has only happened like twice in my life, but I will gamble and be so happy, and I will think that I'm winning, and I'm not winning, I'm losing. So it was that same analogy that I had. I just had this awareness, like, and so I, I'm not saying that I have the answer. Like I said, I'm not saying that I'm perfect, but I'm telling you it's really got my attention. Yeah. And so when I share... I make sure that it means something, that it's for a reason. And I'm also aware that when I'm sharing, I'm being tracked. Mm -hmm. there's, there's some kind of devices that are pulling information from you and creating some sort of system. I mean, I read some article um, after, after Trump was elected, and it was about the, uh, the companies that actually gathered the social media information and actually got him elected, is what this article was saying. And do you know they can track even your cadence, how you walk when you hold your phone? So what are these companies? It's like a, it's like a, like a media data you know, a company and they can, so, so that's how specific it is. And now we have this whole pushing of this AI, this artificial intelligence that's encroaching. And so listen, all I'm saying is, you know, cultivate your spiritual connection. Like yeah. that is the number one thing, you know, and sometimes I look at Rich and I go, what if the whole thing blew up tomorrow? Then what, Right. you know, then, then what would be relevant in our lives? Yeah. So again, I mean, I've connected with thousands of people i mean you know we travel all over the world and people stop us everywhere and it's it's deeply meaningful it's not it's not that it's not and i know you get this too yeah but i guess it's just up for me and i think because i was so in it for this eight weeks right. i'm discerning i'm using discernment to determine where i put my energy so it's like what are you doing why are you doing it and is it in the highest divine yeah. alignment it's not easy. Well, I think like people taking notes and myself when I listen to this again, like those three things you said, if you can just have those in the back of your mind to kind of check yourself before you post something. But something that I've been thinking about a lot, which I would love your opinion on, is for me, since I I kind of use social media in these two ways, and like when my book was coming out, like I totally know how you feel because I was like, all right, I worked really hard on this thing, it took me a lot of time, and a lot of people helped me with it. So I have to do my best to promote it and show people that it exists in the world. Like that's my obligation to this project. And so in that way, I felt like I was promoting things, but then that was like over a year ago. And before that, and since then, I've really looked at social media like I did since I grew up with it when I was in high school or when I was like younger than that, or high school really, as it's really just like a scrapbook to, to share my life and I kind of just forgot about and I still you know when a new podcast episode is up of course I'm going to be like hey I got to talk to Julie Pyatt or whoever it was because I want people to hear it because it was genuinely an important thing in my life but I think I'm, I'm looking at social media as this is a way for me to remember kind of like a gratitude journal of my day that's kind of how I look at stories at least on Instagram of like okay I 
ate this really great acai bowl in the morning and then I went to this class and then I got to hang out with Julie and then we did this or whatever and then I can like watch it at the end of the day and be like wow those are some really beautiful moments but I think I need to be checking myself of like if that's my intention then that's okay but also like am I showing why do I need to show this to other people then you know Mm -hmm. and I think part of that is like well sometimes I do like showing it to other people because then that way it can make it last longer just kind of like when something good happens I want to like call my mom or I want to like call my best friend just to make it stay in it longer Mm -hmm. I don't know I'm just wrestling with like those two ways of using it. Does that make sense? I mean, I love your analogy. I think that's a beautiful, um, a a beautiful analogy and example to use it as a gratitude journal. You know, I think that's a very conscious way to look at it. Um, I guess I would ask you, are you not calling your mom then? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So not, not that, you know, not that we should call our mom, over call our moms or anything. You you get the point. The point is, is are we really missing our life? Are we, are we living to photograph every single thing we do and we never just sit down and just be in the moment? And I notice it, you know, being the mom of, of children. Um, And it's, it's interesting because my children, I wonder if my children are going to be like, completely not want to be on social media which they kind of do like my sons you know they they deleted their Facebook pages like years ago but now they're coming out with an album and they're they're starting to step back you know step in for that reason to to promote their music but you know they just think it's just you know not cool yeah so (laughs) many people in my life feel like that too do they yeah yeah I don't know it's an it's an interesting it's an interesting thing and I think well, this is the one of the things I wrote down that I wanted to ask you about anyway, but I think it kind of ties into social media. You and Rich and your family are so huge about community, and it really inspires me. And mm-hmm. I, I think that it's something I, I really admire about you guys, and I really feel the importance of community in my life. Like I went when I went to a retreat earlier this year, or just like having close relationships with people where I used to live and then now that I moved and seeing how that is so that's like the most important thing I think for our health so can you talk about you know how you've cultivated that the importance of that just everything well yeah absolutely and I mean and we're going to get back to you know this double-edged sword because it was created through social media I mean that's the truth of the matter and when we were literally in financial collapse it was social media that actually kept us going you know we would be breaking down sobbing in starbucks and suddenly we would get you know a tweet from somebody i mean we we called them twitter dates at the time and we started connecting with people that we admired people that were um, kind of leaders you know in our world people that we looked up to athletes rich never thought he would be speaking to or even having dinner with and we met some very key people during that time so again i'm not saying that I mean, social media is great. It, it's connected us with community. And we started to do these retreats um, in Europe. And I had done yoga retreats um, when I first met Rich. I did it for 10 years. And I produced these yoga retreats actually in Italy at this villa. Cool. And so after, and, and they were amazing then. I mean, they were life-changing then. But we had no message. We had no book. I wasn't a chef. Like, it was, it was just kind of like yoga in Italy. Put them mm-hmm. together. I mean, it was pretty amazing. Um, so I knew when we launched it with our message that it was going to be profound. And we're sitting in this loft today um, having this interview because 
uh, of the hospitality of two people that came on a retreat that we become they almost become like our family yeah. like we're really deeply connected so we spend an entire week with them um, and we do yoga every day together run with rich in the forest tea ceremony you know all plant-based food that I designed for the whole week and then we have workshops both in the morning and the afternoon so we, we share about family community sustainability um, and then I do a lot of deeper spiritual practices so, so cool. it's really cool we have an Ayurvedic practitioner who comes and then Colin who pours tea he, he does um, uh, uh, healing sessions, Chinese medicine healing sessions, and then I do also um, a kind of uh, multi-dimensional uh, healing sessions as well. So it's it's quite profound. In the last day, we have a community circle where we circle up and we we make the agreement to hold the highest vision for each individual, no matter the appearances. And so we make this vow to each other, and it's pretty deep and there's a lot of tears and a lot of beauty and it's quite it's just quite exceptional so, <laughs> so cool. and then how often do you do those well we're doing we've done two so far and we have another um, retreat coming up in ireland in a few weeks oh, cool. so we go july 24th to the 31st to a manor in south cork and it's on 90 acres mm. and a lot of the accommodations are glamping tents and it's a truly magical, gorgeous place. And so we're going to, it's the same thing. You know, that's one of the ways we create community. Yeah. Um, what happened as a result of the, the trip, the first trip, we had two ER doctors come from Australia. And uh, after our retreat, they decided to launch their own wellness production company. And so they brought us to Australia and we did two two huge events there of 500 people each one so we did one in Melbourne and one in Sydney and it was a um, I played a couple songs Rich gave his keynote I did a meditation and then we did a Q&A and just to meet everybody and again those people are listening to the podcasts yeah. and that's how they know us right. and so you know this is through the medium of internet so yeah. we need it we just need to make sure that we're using it and it's not using us yeah you know more I do like the medium of podcasting better than anything else because I really think that it slow you know everything else is like a soundbite or 15 seconds or a photo but this you can't really hide in, the, in a video same sort of thing but with this especially it's like we're just when it's this long and it's this chill and the way Rich does his podcast and the way I do my podcast it's like I don't edit it's mm -hmm. just we have a real conversation and whatever comes up yeah and that today is, is what people hear. So I feel like even though it is the internet, this is still it's different. us. It's, it's the no. best of them. It is right? the best, and it really is the best. I mean, we met a couple um, who came in a cafe in, uh, Matt in Miami, and they were surprised. They actually wanted to see us and didn't know, you know where, and then they ran into us. And I didn't know, but the owner of the cafe, Veronica, came over and told me. She was like their podcast fan. So I made sure I went up and said hello. Yeah. And they were just like, we feel like we're so close to you. Yeah. And, you know, we get that. And I know you get that as yeah. well. That's the thing in the podcast. They're like, I know you so well. And it's kind of true. Like yeah. whenever anyone, like it happened just this week, we were um, walking down the street and someone was like, Katie, and they actually recognized my boyfriend because I had like big sunglasses on from my Instagram stories. And she was like, I feel like I know you. And he was like, you basically do because yeah. I'm the same on the podcast that I am in, right. in life because it's just us talking, exactly. which is like a nice, 
it's a weird thing to meet people though because they know so much about you but you don't know anything about them exactly. and I just want to because I'm like you're cool and I want to be your friend you exactly know? I know but yeah, I mean that. that's us like yeah. meeting right it's the best I mean these pot these long format punk podcasts yeah. are the best these ones the way yeah. that you do it the way Rich does it the way that I do it yeah it's it's truly um an amazing way to share information and to inspire people and just just give people a little support that's all yeah yeah and it's really great what about with community outside of the internet and like the i saw this great video that rich did that i want to watch like multiple times because it just made me feel so cozy and i Mm -hmm. i loved it about just community at your house our house people like are living at your house it just seems like this fun magical place and I honestly feel like that just like being in your presence like right now and just whenever I listen to you I just feel so like nurtured and cozy and how do you cultivate that in your home and your family and your life well I mean when when we started out sort of we you know we built our home in 2003 is when we built it and my dream was to have yoga retreats there and have a lot of yoga events and over the years, I've had a lot of spiritual teachers there, many, many um, different traditions, a lot of Indian masters, some Native American, um, this uh, tea master, Wuda, who I'm actually going to see in New York on he Tuesday did night. podcast. Yeah, yeah, and he's also that. been years on my, He's been on Rich's podcast twice and been yeah. on my podcast yeah. once, yeah. So Wuda's going to be actually in New York, so we're going to go sit with him tomorrow. Oh. But, um, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it started out like that. I was unschooling my homeschooling, unschooling my two younger girls, and I had a dream to start a homeschool, which I think we talked about yeah, on the we, earlier we, episodes. We, that was a great intro to that. I got so many great yeah. comments on, oh, on that. That's so cool. So people are new to the podcast and haven't listened to that yeah, episode. Back. Put in the well, and so I again, I was a, ahead of my time. I was ahead of the curve and I had mm-hmm. a hard time really getting the the kids were really ready, but the parents just couldn't let go of the, that standardized education thing it was too hard. Uh, but now it's interesting because I have a lot of young mothers coming back around to me and cool. they're asking me questions and they want to. So I think I think you guys are going to do it. The next generation are going to do it. It was just it was a little too much for for my contemporaries. However, um, because I had that feeling and that kind of way of being, I really felt that we could do more as a collective than we could individually. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't like just let anybody come into my house and like pitch a tent. <laughs> it was a very curated, very specific thing. It would be people that I had a very deep connection with that yeah. naturally fit in. Um, you know, we had Andrew uh, Pasquela who was going through a divorce and he came and lived in his Airstream on our land for a while. And it was just, it was perfect. We were doing a lot of meditation and spiritual work and offered him support for a couple mm-hmm. years. And my boys had recently lost their father. Um, he had passed mm-hmm. away. So he was another male influence and it, it just felt good to all of us. So that was okay. And then in the early days we had Stu Bone who actually we met on Twitter and I looked at his Twitter feed and saw that he lived in an Airstream and and, and we contacted each other and I invited him to come and park his Airstream and he would just come and visit for a few days and then go. But again, it was this wonderful friendship and just a moment, you know, where, yeah. it, where it worked. And, and now I have, my boys are in their 20s and they're recording their album in the garage, which is their music studio. And my nephew also has lived with us for six or seven years. Uh, I've started saying that I have five kids because I, you know, I, I always have to explain, you know, yeah. but really he's with us all the time, Harry. So one of them lives in a teepee, one of them lives in a container, and 
So they're. What does that mean? Uh, they got at the, you know one of the shipping containers, and we um, Rich is Rich has his office in one of them, and then Trapper made a bedroom out of the cool. other one. So what I'm saying is we're there, so yeah. they have their friends, and we're still there. And and I on Instagram um, yesterday I was in Miami and Leia stayed back with the girls along with my boys and Harry, and I saw this photo on Instagram, and they were all in Mathis's room, and they had like an art night with this painter Avery and so they all were painting like age 10 to 26 you know just painting away and I was like that's what I love so it's a creative way of being just more of a creative life and um, and now the community for us is really the podcast community and when we go out and we do events and we always you know we always stay and we make sure we hug every single person Mm -hmm. and take a photo with every single person so sometimes it's three hours after the event that we're there and it's so meaningful, and yeah. we just don't take it for granted at all, not, oh. not any of it. So, so good. yeah, it's really amazing. This energy that you have about you that's, like, so nurturing, and I don't, I don't know exactly what to call it, but it's, like, the word that keeps coming to mind is, like, hosting, like, hosty. That's not even a word, but you're just... Hostess with the mostest? Yeah, hostess, no. I guess. <laughs> no. But I, I feel like it's something that I really admire, and I, I've told you this so many times, I meant to say this at the top, but just mm-hmm. I feel so connected to you I always have for years with Mm -hmm. like I told you this last time but the the way you distill philosophies and some Mm -hmm. really like kind of high level things just goes right in for me you know Mm -hmm. just like go I don't know no filter needed just Uh the way you explain things works for me so I feel this connection with you is like I love having people to my apartment I like doing game nights I like you know just having lots of people around me and I feel like that's something that we have in common but what kind of tips do you have for people listening of wanting to cultivate community in their in-person daily life like what are some things that people can do to kind of like have have that feeling in their own lives well I would say the number one thing is food it's all about food and I actually was I was kind of surprised you know I didn't have chef cookbook author on my list it wasn't on my vision board and um, I was, you know, I have a lot of things to offer. You know, I, I have music, I have spiritual techniques. Um, and for me, it's the spiritual energy that's being transmitted, which is the core of every single thing that I do. So it's where my main focus is. Um, so if you were going to come to me and say, Julie, I only have an hour with you, I wouldn't cook for you. I would do a healing session for you. So it's, it's, it, that's, where, that's where I focus. But I have to tell you, it was absolutely blown away at the amount of people that respond through the food like that's where they're able to grab and that's the most that's the easiest conduit and I just know we know in spiritual tradition to cook for people is one of the greatest blessings for for the cook it is it's an honor and in every high level spiritual community it's the very highest beings that touch the food because the food is living like mana like fuel like sacred energy and so your energy of creating it affects it and then when you eat it so a taco is not a taco is not a taco it depends on who made that taco and as you start to get more and more energetically sensitive that kind of stuff affects you you can get a stomach ache from someone's energy even no matter what you're eating so what I would say if you want to create community start having a weekly food night so um, I would say, you know, become a good cook. Find a couple dishes that you like. Prepare it with love. 
share your food with people invite them into your home yeah. you know show up at their door with something that you made it sounds really like archaic in a way but it's really um it's really the key to really solidifying and getting people to nurture getting people to gather and mm -hmm. i know i mean i started feeding people i started feeding rich actually as the first experiment because um, he was trying to do these double Ironman races on plants. And, and I think I you know, probably told in the episode before that you know, one day he came in and I just handed him a kid and was racing out to go record my music. And he said to me, do you understand that I just ran a marathon? And I was like, actually, no, I had zero idea that that's what you did. <laughs> you know, I just saw the door open and shut, and then he yeah. came back in. So I made a decision to feed him because it was something that I could do. I have an ability with it. It's something that I could do, and I knew it would support him. But in the course of that, in my trajectory, I've seen what you can do with food, yeah. and it's it's profound. So you said that you know being a chef wasn't ever on your vision board. It wasn't something that you necessarily wanted. But going back to kind of the hosting thing and bringing things together, I love eating great plant-based food, and I can kind of I can make like the four things I've, I eat very simply. So like what I make for myself is just you know. I'm not even really cooking. I'm just like tossing an avocado on some greens and like calling it a day. But I get very stressed out when I'm cooking for people that aren't myself. I love doing it sometimes, but sometimes it just seems overwhelming. So, but I want to be in that place that you were in. Have you, did you always have this like innate ability for cooking for other people or like do you think you cultivated it? I think I cultivated it. I mean, I think that I am I am a nurturer. You yeah. know, I'm a, I am definitely a mother, and that energy is is felt. For sure. Uh, but my mom was not a cook. She was raised in Latin America in a in a society where they had uh, you know helpers that basically would prepare the food. So I didn't grow up in a household with amazing food quite the contrary. <laughs> My mom's amazing, but she wasn't an amazing cook. Mm -hmm. So I started cooking with a boyfriend of mine in college. And in Paris, right? In, no, this was actually in Arizona, oh, okay. and, but he was French. He, was not, he wasn't French fully. He was like American, second generation French. But we would just get a, like a Bon Appetit magazine and make a recipe, right? So we just started like that. And then later, I don't know how, I, th I think it was um, when I met the boy's dad, Lou, and I was married to him, he was, he was a head of a very large company. And I liked entertaining, and I just found that I could cook for 40 people, and it wasn't yeah. a big deal. Like, I could figure out how to do it. It just, it doesn't freak me out. I mean, I just had this dinner for 70 people, and I was not stressed at all about the food. Like, not at all. Yeah. Because I know how good my food is. Right. So, and, and I mean, I've been doing it for a lot of years. Right. But I guess what I would say to you is you don't have to be like me, but just find one dish yeah. and then make it a potluck right. so that you're not totally stressed. But like make that. the theme being that we're gathering around food, food yeah. that's, that's, you know, free of violence, free of harm to the planet, yeah. and that is a fuel for your body temple. Yeah. And even if people aren't plant-based in their whole life, just that experience, like one, you know, that one night or yeah. that one gathering. And not making, that's something that we mentioned, Jess Bernan, who has one part plant who we love. And her whole thing is like, don't make a big deal about it being plant-based. Just be like, this is a really good dish. Like mm -hmm. you don't even have to like mm -hmm. advertise that 
as the lead in Mm -hmm. like you can talk about that later and just be like this was something that's really good and then like when they're like oh these brownies are delicious then you can like tell them you know whatever exactly and I think that's kind of when people get annoyed by it or turned off by it when Mm -hmm. the first thing you say is like how free of everything it is you know like that's not something to lead with maybe lead lead with the taste let it stand let it stand on its own with the taste for sure you know I think that's one thing I think the other thing that is uh, just an over an overall energy and that is to cultivate an energy of unconditional love and compassion and non-judgment with whoever you know it's like you know um, it feels good to sit next to somebody who is um, free of judgment who is just, you know, it's like, we're all human. We're all not perfect. We wake up and create harm, like right away, (laughs) just from being on the planet. This isn't something to become a vigilante about or to be, um, you know, a fanatic. Um, We have to cultivate love and compassion. And so what I always tell people is if you've brought violence into your kitchen, you've completely missed it. So that means allowing people their journey with food. That doesn't mean be in denial. It doesn't mean not tell the truth. And no one wants to look at it because, God, it's so uncomfortable. But guess what? We really don't have the time anymore to be in denial. And this is where maybe when you interviewed me a few years ago, now I'm kind of on a different moment. Um, I really feel like we need to be honest with ourselves and with our children. Um, I wouldn't be very happy if somebody was feeding me something that was cultivated in violence and I wasn't told the truth. Yeah. I wouldn't like that. It doesn't mean you have to sh- you know, you have to go to the wall and like, you know, traumatize them, but you need to be clear. We need to be we need to be honest with ourselves and we need to understand that we need to take responsibility. It's not for someone else to take responsibility. We are the ones we've been waiting for and it starts right here with responsibility. So we try, you want to at least try and start with that intention because you're gonna, you're gonna fall. You know what I mean? There's going to be a moment. And even when you do to be loving with yourself, it's again, it's not a black and white thing. It's a, it's a gray thing, but start to feel your way into this sensitivity and this plant-based awareness will connect you with your heart. It will wake you up to the beauty of who you are. And we need everybody to be who they are because we all were created from this divinity. And if we all would just be who we were created to be at, at a you know design, at a blueprint level, think of the beauty that would exist. Yeah. I mean, what a beautiful chart, a beautiful mission of life to know yourself. It ties back to what we were talking about at the beginning of with social media. I think of like, we can't be asleep anymore to these things that even though we don't want to look at, we don't want to think about, it's so easy to stay in our bubble. And now I think there, the world is in this place where we really need to look at these things that make us feel uncomfortable. Yeah. And the thing is, is even in spiritual evolution, you have to look at what is. You have to be responsible enough and mature enough to look you know and that's to do to heal anything you know it's like when i was healing myself of this cyst in my 
neck, which I think we talked about in another episode. Which is an amazing story. So please so, go back and listen if you don't know what we're talking about. But when I started the herbs, the, the pus came out on my face and hundreds of pimples for like a three-month period. And everyone in my life was freaking out, telling me to stop taking the herbs. But it's because we don't want to look at the ugly. We yeah. don't want to see it. We don't want to feel pain. We just want to take a pill. Yeah. We don't want to really heal. We just want someone to tap us on our head with a wand and make it yeah. go away. But guess what? We live in a free will universe and we incarnated here for a reason. We, we incarnated to become, to remember. Yeah. And you do that through these experiences. And really, I mean, if you start really looking at what's going on on planet Earth, there is only one intelligent solution, and that is to cultivate your divine connection. Yeah. That is the thing. That is the thing that's going to keep you safe, that's going to align you with the right vibrational energies. And is it a vegan diet ultimately? No, it's not. That's not like that's not your ticket to, you know, realization, yeah. but it's a step. But for right now, I'm creating cookbooks to help a certain set of people remember yeah. and be able to, you know, reconnect. Another thing I feel like we want, we were kind of talking about is like, it's easier to go through life being numb and not like being our full selves. And that, like you said, is why we're here is to know ourselves and then fully be ourselves. And I think I've been thinking about this a lot. Relationships really bring that out of you and you're forced to like, sometimes you so don't want to, but it really puts that mirror up in your face of letting someone see you and then you have to see yourself. So you and Rich have this relationship that is so relationship goals and something I admire so much. <laughs> so can you talk about that a little bit and like how you guys communicate so well and you have these lives that are like super intertwined between co-parenting and the work that you do together. Like what are some, I don't know, communication tips or just like relationship advice, anything? Yeah, I think, well, going just to, to comment on what you said, it's like... Um, we have to understand that we have both dark and light parts of ourselves. Like if you're in the illusion and you think that, you're, that you only have light and that's right. where you're living, you haven't really fully matured. You haven't, and that's okay. But I'm just saying that everyone has both dark and light within them. And it's the, it's the clear and honest um, observation of those energies that allow the transformation to happen. It's a maturity. It's understanding, oh, I see that in me. And I was talking on Rich's podcast some weeks ago, some months ago, and I was saying that I think one of the major steps to becoming a truly compassionate being is understanding that you are all those people. You are all those versions of all those people, you know, no matter how dark that you, yeah. you, you can see. It's almost like you don't throw stones in a glass house, right? So once you understand that, that you have been all of those, all, all versions, and then all, you know, all of the seemingly you know, altruistic versions as well, um, that allows a real maturity. And it allows, um, I think, a level of that unconditional love and neutrality around your partner's darkness or your partner's imbalances. So, um, you know, one of the most beautiful things that Rich said to me when I met him was, you know, I can feel your pain and I have compassion for you, but I can't help you with that. Mm 
right? And I had been in relationship with a lot with men who were like, I'm going to fix everything. You know, Mm -hmm. here, little girl, let me fix it all for you. And just the fact that he even said that to me once, I was like, oh, that's such a relief. (laughs) I was like, thank you. So, I mean, Rich and I are very, very different individuals. I mean, just in in our constitution, you know, from the way our digestion works to the foods he likes, the food I like, to the temperatures, to the way we approach everything is completely different. Um, I would say that understanding the difference between behaviors and the soul is very key in a long-term relationship. So it can be like, well, it could be like, let's say, um, and I'm not going to give you specifics about Rich and my relationship because I, I really can't think of any right now, but uh, it's that thing with, and I do it with my children as well. Like, I don't like what you did. I don't like what you did and that hurt me terribly or really upset me or I'm really angry but I love you right so it's that awareness that the soul has unconditional love and that commitment while I'm not quiet about the actions I don't like I'm very vocal so we can you know really express and I mean I do this with my daughter as well my I mean we just go at it it's like it's not a it's not a it's not like a soft little thing you know right. it's an intense thing but I mean talk about a love that we have together right. and she knows exactly she know like our love is so deep yeah and how cool that we can do that you know together so I think it's that understanding keeping the the soul out of the misbehavior yeah or the punishing act or the hurtful act and being able to communicate just how deeply you were hurt about the punishing act. Mm. If you can keep those two things separate, you got a really good chance of transcending that hurt and coming back into divine love with the Mm. soul. Yeah, that makes sense. That's a good, that's really, really, really powerful. I'm glad you brought up your daughters because that was the other big thing I wanted to talk about before we start talking about cheese. Mm -hmm. But as, a mother, you, the way that you parent, the way that you still have such a great relationship with yourself and you're still this really creative, amazing being in the world, you were like one of the first people who I was like, oh, I think being a mother might actually be something I like might interest me someday. And other than that, it just like didn't really appeal to me. So how can you talk about that a little bit about the way that you've you know, mothered your children in the way that you're this nurturing being and still have like this really great, beautiful life and identity yourself. Well, I think it's funny. I talked about this on Jessica's um, podcast. Um, Mm -hmm. The, the, um, I think the, my core, if I had to give one tip or one, you know, one thing that, that was present in my life that made a huge difference. It's that I understand that we've all lived thousands of lifetimes and I never felt like my children were my children, that they were less than me. I felt they were my children, like I love them, you know, to the ends of the earth. Yeah. But I never thought they were less than or less developed. So from the time they were, ba- they were babies, I always viewed them as a divine being, fully developed. So I wasn't like, oh, I got to teach them right. how to be great. Yeah. Because God already made them great. I'm holding this miracle of life. 
that one little click completely created the most beautiful relationships in my life. And it also frees me from the imbalance of feeling as a parent that I have to make them into something. Right. It's really ego, it's ego driven. Yeah. So it, again, it comes back to my devotion, to my service, to the force. And I'm not religious. This is a spiritual energy, you know, yeah. that's in figure that it's in nature. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I honored them as divine. It's funny, I had a friend of mine ask me when my boys were little, little, like, what are your goals for your children? And I looked at him like, I was like, what are you talking about? I was like, I don't have any goals for my children. Like, they're going to, I will nurture them, support them, love them unconditionally, you know, and you know, teach them the, le you know, any lessons like, you know, don't play with fire or don't, you know, yeah. those type of things. Right. But it's like, they're not mine, you know, yeah. it's not, they're not mine to judge or to, or to, you know, uh, create. Yeah. And in the same way, you know, I don't even take credit for how amazing they are. I mean, they blessed me as much as I bless them. And I, I often say the most beautiful thing about motherhood is that the baby gives birth to the mother at the same time the mother gives birth to the baby. Yeah. So it's a, it's a double birth, really, yeah. when, you, you know, when you look at it. So those were, you know, that, that's like a really, really, really core thing. And this is another thing that I think is key as parents, that we would do very well to clear this issue. And that is that... As parents, for some reason, we project our issues onto our kids. And if we suffered a pain in our childhood, rather than us healing it within ourselves through, you know, healing sessions or yoga or meditation or self-inquiry, we then project that onto our child and want to make sure that our child never has that pain. <laughs> and so what we've done is we've dumped our problems onto our children. And what I would say is that we need to stop doing that and yeah. understand they, your children are not you. They're not you. They're, yeah. they're their own beings. And there are some very strong genetic um, patterns that will run, and a child will have an agreement to heal certain genetic patterns. And that's why, you know, in healing we say that, you know, if, if you do do the inner work and the meditation and the clearing and heal something, it heals seven generations forward yeah. and seven back. So there are those things. There are those genetic things. I mean, my my son Trapper has so many characteristics of his father that I know what he's thinking. I know everything. I mean, I and we giggle, we laugh because I'll just tell him exactly what he's thinking, and he'll laugh. But I'll say, "Honey, I was married to your dad for ten years. Like I knew him so well." And I mean, everything about Trapper, the way he chews ice, the way when he's reading, he chews on his lip a certain way. I mean, it's uncanny. I'm just like, "Oh my God, that is so crazy." Wow. And same with Rich and Mathis. So so much genetic likeness there. You know, we wow. just we tease them. We're like, you know, we're putting both of you in a tent on the roof and we'll yeah. see what happens but um so that is present but what i'm saying is you know if you have some big wounds you know if it's if you want to really be a great parent heal your own stuff yeah you know and yeah. let your kids be fresh yeah. the way they are oh it's really good okay so i'm staring at this beautiful book and oh i want to know <laughs> everything when did the idea come to you why yeah. cheese tell me everything well um 
The book is called This Cheese is Nuts. Best title. Um, best title ever. Actually named by uh, Daryl Ween, uh, who is a movie director, producer, friend. And he's married to the amazing Zoe Lister-Jones, who has her first uh, solo written, directed, and she stars in it. It's called Band-Aid. It's an amazing movie out right now. Everybody oh, needs to go okay. see it. It's incredible. I laughed for 20 minutes Yay, and it's being, it's being picked up in all the theaters and cool. it's really crazy. Okay. Yeah. So Daryl, who's an executive producer on that movie, um, they were coming over for dinner and it was kind of early in my, not that early, but I guess probably halfway, you know, I looked back at some dates and I actually started this in 2015. Oh, wow. I thought I had done it in a year and a half, but it's really been more like two years. So I was making a board of sample cheeses and I teased them on Instagram because I knew they were, they were coming and they, they would look. So when he came in, they were starving and they just started eating, you know. And then he says from the living room, like, Julie, do you have a title? I'm like, no. And he's like, this cheese is nuts. And I was like, oh my gosh. So anyway, so that was how the title. So I owe him, yeah. I owe him that genius. So yeah. thank you, Daryl. Shout out, uh, Yeah, shout out, Daryl. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, um, so when, when I started to create it was, I think the ink wasn't even dry on the plant power way because I did a very basic cheese section and also latte section in the plant power way and at the time we had been using just some store-bought almond grated cheese on our nachos and it was okay you know we were trying to get used to it a little bit and what I noticed is that in cleanup it, I couldn't get it off the tray like yeah. I needed a jackhammer yeah, to get yeah. the residue right yeah I so I thought to myself this is not good for the digestion, right. like something's not right. Um, so I created this warm cashew sauce, and we started to eat that on our nachos, and it's on this recipe, Torre de Nachos, in uh, the Plant Power Way. And then um, it, it's so delicious that I couldn't even plate it before the boys had eaten it all. <laughs> I, st I started to have to like double and triple the recipe because it literally would be gone in 15 minutes and there'd be nothing on the table. So then I started trying it on pizza, where I would make a homemade pizza with veggies and then pull it out of the oven and have warm cashew sauce on the stove, pour the cashew sauce on after, mm. and then add like a salad on top of it. Mm. Fall down on the ground, delicious, like That's amazing. So, so when I turned that in, I was like, there's more in this cheese world yeah. to be discovered. And I just start, I really wanted to do it. I, I don't even know how, I guess I just started. I just began. Yeah. And as you know, I approach food as an art um, and I don't read cookbooks. It was funny because um, uh, I just, I don't, I don't use recipes from other people. I usually just create them on my own. Um, so this was a little bit different. I did have to, um, consult a couple books for some techniques. Um, I did a lot of experimentation. I threw a lot of stuff away. Um, I never throw meals away like that just doesn't happen. But again, this is a little bit more chemistry that I was working out. So what I did is I was able to create um, so many ways to make amazing plant-based cheeses uh, using nuts with very pure ingredients and quite a simple process. So I'm, I'm absolutely overjoyed with the result. Um, I call it Cheese 2.0 because it's really not cheese, it's better than cheese. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's like I have this cashew blue, which is just a delicious recipe. It's so amazing. 
And you know, somebody asked me, well, does it really taste like blue cheese? And I would say, no, thankfully, no, because yeah. have you tasted blue cheese recently? Yeah. It tastes like an old tennis shoe. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that I also experienced with this book is one of my sons, Tyler, and my niece, Maggie, they don't like cheese. They yeah, never have liked cheese. Way. Okay, but they eat my cheese. Yeah. There's only, there's like three or four, three recipes that they don't eat, and it's the camembert with the truffle oil, they taste like cheese. Because it tastes too much like cheese. Right. But all the rest of them, I mean, they were just yeah. eating it, eating it. So it's even it's even good for people who don't like cheese. Yeah. And then I included also, there's an allergy-free section in the book oh, cool. um, with cheese made from garbanzo beans, white beans, tofu, seeds, sesame seeds, sunflower seeds. All there. Yeah, so it's there. And then I did a bunch of companion recipes as well because I was the person... Like, I love creamy stuff. I'm not going to have a tea without creamy in it. Mm -hmm. I, I don't want it. I don't want a black tea. I'm not going to drink it. Yeah. So um, I created also all the other desserts and all the meals that I craved that had cheese in them. So there's a beautiful potato lasagna. This is all in the book? It's all in the book. So this has potato, very thin, thin potatoes Ooh, as so the like noodles. The oh, my gosh. And I've got to, I'm going to have to grab the book and show you the yeah. pictures so you can see one all. So, um, well, this is one. Let's just move on right to this situation right Ooh, here. So yum. creme brulee was my, I, that's the dessert I ordered my, every single time. I don't know if I've had it or if it, I've, I've had it like a long time ago when I was a child, but yeah. my mom loves this. Does she? I need to make this. So better. I created this, uh, this plant-based version. It's absolutely it delicious. It beautiful. And you need a chef's torch, but, um, it's, it's just fantastic. Cauliflower smothered. Stop it. Yeah, so this is blackened cauliflower, and I was inspired so this dish from Misnon in Paris. Have, have you been to La Marais? Mm. Okay, it's like a, it's like a, a section of Paris, and they have this um, cafe there called Misnon, and they do these broiled whole heads of cauliflower. The whole mm. head, they put it and just blacken it, Yeah. and then they don't serve theirs with cheese. But I did mine, and then I, I poured warm cashew sauce over yeah. the top. It's insane. Oh, really, really good. This okay, so um, I did I cheesecakes. That this is, I don't know why I was thinking it was just exclusively cheese, but it's no, so not. It's Do you so have a favorite from the book? Um, oh, my goodness. I couldn't. This is McClay's Mexican cheesecake. This is one of the best chocolate cheesecakes you'll ever taste. Oh, yeah. So there's just so much. There's yeah. coconut yogurt. There's sour These cream. These photos. Tell me about the photos. Okay, so um, I have these. Po these photos were all taken by the amazing Leah Morosovic. and Leia. Yeah, Leia was the nanny. I just met Leia. You just she's met here. Leia. And she's lovely. And she's she just here. took our photo. She just took her <laughs> photo. Um, she was a nanny to my girls when they were very little. And I met her mom at a meditation uh, event that we were at. And she raised these two gorgeous blonde. They were like the fairies of life. Aww. And my girls love them. And my girls were intense. Like they were not just a normal, you know, easygoing child. Like they required a lot of creativity. And both Leia and her sister Issa were magic they were just amazing so Leia has been in my life for many many years and when I was doing the homeschool I really wanted her to do the school with me and then much to my sadness but good for her she went to Soka University and went away for four years and traveled all over the world and she was the head of the garden there and 
And then after she finished Soka, I was still doing my homeschool. So she came back and was the head teacher. And then the whole thing fell apart and didn't work. And, you know, we moved on. And I was in the middle of a photo shoot uh, for another project. And she was taking Instagram images. And I just saw her eye. And I was like, Mm -hmm. you are amazing. So uh, when I started f- this book, I really needed an assistant. I, you know, I knew I was ready to sort of bring somebody on, and I asked her if she would like to, you know, come on and and train and mentor to move into this. And she had a camera and had been in, you know, Central America and had taken some amazing photographs of indigenous people there. And we started working together on a daily basis and she just really really rose fast you know Mm -hmm. she's really gifted with it she learned everything she needed to learn and uh you know we styled these you know we work we work right there in the moment so it's not i like working that way rather than doing a shoot where i'm shooting five days all these recipes so we just shoot every day together and we're both yogis and we have the same flow and we start every morning with a meditation and with tea and we're, we do it for the same reason, you know? So um, she's chanting, she's a Buddhist and she's chanting for, you know, the beauty of this book, for mm-hmm. this book to transform people through the recipes and, and I'm doing the same in my own way. So we're very, very aligned and it's, it's almost like there's no personal anything for us to ever work through because yeah. it doesn't exist yeah. so we're very devoted to the to the mission and we care about the same things yeah. and it was a huge joy for me to mentor her to be i mean she has this gorgeous cover on this book and so these photographs in this book are absolutely extraordinary. And she's, you know, she's a full-blown photographer. Oh, I love that. Makes, that story makes me like the book <laughs> like 12 times more. I know. It's really great. You know, I've, I've been talking about this thing with Leia. We've been talking about this divine alignment and what is divine alignment. And for me, it's when, it's when the processes are stacked on top of each other, where what I do for me benefits you in the Mm -hmm. same way and this was one of those really amazing you know experiences I mean I could have hired a food photographer that was available to me I could have done that I could have chosen to do it another another way but for me this was really it's so beautiful for me so when I think of the beauty of the book and the love that's in the book um, so we're just, um, we're, we're both thrilled and it seems way more yeah, fun to do it. This so way. much more think, fun. Like for me, a lot of my work is solo. And I think that's something going back to what we were talking about before about community that I really miss is that collaboration piece mm-hmm. that I think is so important in life. And I would love to create a project or be a part of a team and like both pour your love and energy into something together mm-hmm. sounds lovely so no it's it's amazing and I think again like you you know you're talking about community and I feel like on planet earth you know we've been in a society for many 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 years that we're just thinking about me yeah it's just I I I I I and you know we've all we've all been there it's not this isn't like a judgment but we really are at a moment in history where now the proper way to think is we. Mm-hmm. 
in whatever way you can. I mean, and so this was a way we could be in we. Yeah. And it, it's also just so efficient. You know what I mean? And it's fun. like it's efficient and fun. And so the same way with our retreats in Italy and our retreats with in Ireland, it's like I create the menu for the whole week. And so I've created all these dishes. And so what we did is we photographed and I created all the recipes. So we had already done half the Italian book. So it's all done right as we're doing it. There's no going back and, oh, we're going to go back. And then it's like you got to be there efficient, like in the moment moving. And that's how, you know, that's how we're developing. And, And Leah is also an amazing yoga teacher. And I just filmed my first, I just, it's been sitting there ready to edit for almost eight months and I've been so busy I haven't, but I have a yoga video that I shot. She co-directed it. Okay, so I really want to ask you my quick fire questions that I ask everyone because they've changed since the last time you've been on the podcast. So one thing that I ask everyone in, especially speaking as women, is about body image. And I think it's something that we think about and deal with as women people in general but just women more so and being someone who's such a public person and in health and wellness how do you handle body image and have you ever struggled with it or like what do you feel like about you know the physical body that you live in and how do you like feel okay as a person in the world Mm -hmm. well um again it's like going back to that connection with divinity it's like when you have that relationship um, and when you view your body as a temple as a divine mechanism um, you can develop a nurturing self-talk and I think that a lot of times most of us spend most of our lives saying very mean things to our body on a consistent basis if you had a friend that did that to you you would have stopped talking to her a very long time ago So I really think that it's about being um, the best in your own physical form. And maybe the question is, have you treated your body? How are you treating your body? You know, and, um, you know, it's we all do this. And I mean, I do it. It's like you look at a you look at a photo and you see everything negative in the photo. Right. And then five years later, or maybe two years later, you look at the photo and you're like, oh, that was actually okay, Right. So. I am I'm older uh, in this space. I'm going to be 55 years old this this year. You look like a 20. But. You're so sweet. <laughs> but yeah, so it's a thing. It it is a thing in this society. How do we age? You know, how are we aging? And you were talking when I came earlier about how you know women has so much more pressure. You know about how we look and everything else. And I'm I'm right there with you. I'm a designer. I like things beautiful. You know I'm. I've never been down with this aging thing like that you know I'm I'm for like eternity in the soul. So I don't know how I think we cultivate kindness towards ourselves. Um I think that's one of the reasons why I don't drink. I don't drink any alcohol because it's ravishing to the body. It's you know it's it's not something that is it's not a healing elixir for the body. Um I try to eat in a way that nourishes the body. I try to take care of myself with yoga and meditation. And then I try to use, you know, the best, uh, you know, products that I can or things that are not um, like uh, chemical, you know, toxic or chemical or 
plastic surgery or these type of things. And I'm not saying that that's never appropriate because sometimes, you know, it might be for you. But I guess this whole thing of it's, it's again, just like in health and wellness, like going right to that, you know, like the first time you see a wrinkle on your face, you know, or, you know, is there another way to approach it, you yeah. know, and I think we're all beautiful the way we were created and there's all different bodies and all shapes and sizes. So I think where the yes. self-loathing comes is have you really treated your body in the most loving yeah. way or do you have some shame about that or something? Um, however, this is another thing that's been on my mind and I think that we're in the middle of this exploration with it is how to be in the divine feminine on this planet and to really be embodying that force in a, in a fully expressed way. So women have been portrayed in this culture, in this planet, this society as being a reflection. You know, we're associated with the moon, which doesn't have its own light. It's a reflection. Women should be softer, you know, smoother, more peaceful, more yin, you know, all of this thing. And I'm in a spot of exploration where I don't feel that to be true. I think women, I think we are a solar race and women have their own light. And being a woman means many things. Uh, but Mother Earth is fierce when she needs to be. And if you're a mother and a guardian of your children, you're fierce. So I'm no longer subscribing to this paradigm of prince, princess. Nobody needs to be rescued. The divine feminine doesn't need to be rescued. She's running the show already. So we really need to understand, you know, this is, this is put in the culture, this Disney, you know, yeah. someday your prince will come. And, and that the same energy is a rapist. It's a rape, rape. You know, you, you don't really understand it, but it really is if you really look at it. Yeah. So my question to all of us is how do we thrive, how do we be in radiance of our divine feminine which includes beauty, immense beauty, immense creativity, without objectifying ourselves. Yeah. Where is the line with yeah. that? And, you know, I don't know that any of us know that. And I certainly have objectified myself, especially in my younger years, um, not today. Uh, but there, and I'm not saying that you know, that I don't, won't dress sexy or won't look good, but it's a specific energy, you know, that I think we're going to have the opportunity to learn and have the opportunity to be in that beauty because the feminine is the eternal creator. Mm -hmm. And this is whether you're a man or a woman, it's just within your being. Yeah. And I do feel there is a movement from the younger generation towards androgyny, which is really the ultimate yeah. realization of enlightenment because you have both within you so it's a matter of where are you going to play it and and what is appropriate but I feel like there's a lot of stories on this planet because it was set up this way not because it's the women's fault but where we were taught the most important thing was a man at any cost and so where is the trust of the women where is the sisterhood you know it's yeah. It's really, you know, it's, it's intense, yeah. you know, 
And again, this has been implanted in the grid. So, um, but we, you know, the feminine is, like I said, eternally created. She is powerful beyond measure yeah. and needs nothing outside of her. And really no, no divine being directly connected to source needs anything outside of itself. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting, I think, over the next days, weeks, months, years, how we embody this true archetype of what it really means to be a woman. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited. It's a beautiful time on the planet. You know, I, I, you know, there is a lot of trauma happening now, and yet this is what we incarnated for is this moment. So we need everybody to be more of who they are, to know themselves, to make sure they're using their discernment, to make sure that they're being authentic, yeah. and that they're cultivating that divine connection as a first as the first priority yeah this is interesting because the next question that I ask everyone is to speak on feminism and you know how you define I know it's like perfectly aligned how you define your fe- feminism today and what that means to you and I feel like you just touched on it mm-hmm. almost completely yeah. is there anything you want to add to like what you view as feminism now and how it's important with the world we're in today yeah I mean I think it's just what I just said you know I kind of talked about it in 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 depth and and mind you I mean everything's perfect we're right on time we've been through our experience and in in my own experience of being a woman you know I'm a hopeless romantic I love being in love I love all of that Um, and I've had quite an interesting uh, path in that I've sampled very various types of relationships as a woman. Uh, One, an abusive relationship, physically abusive, that was my first marriage. Then the second one, which was a prince-princess paradigm, which was beautiful for 10 years, amazing. And then uh, this one, which is more of a divine, feminine, masculine, you know, equality situation. And yet, there's beyond, and beyond is when you're fully embodied and you don't need the other to complete you. So, you know, we're still, it's, we're in this moment of transformation. And I mean, Rich and my relationship is going through a huge transformation. And, um, you know, we're very together um, and uh, even closer than, you know, we've ever been. And yet, you know, we're transforming. Both of us are transforming. So it's, you know, we're going to be on planet Earth for a long time, you know, and, it depends, you know, it's, it's a, I think it's an opportunity, it is an opportunity for a greater expansion, because if you can imagine being fully merged with your God self, and then being in relationship with anyone, yeah. no matter, you know, what sex or what, you know, what, it, what right. your preference is, but that, that's what I'm talking about, it's, it's, it's almost like you're sovereign completely, and then you you choose to dance with somebody Mm. but it's not out of necessity it's not out of you know uh, most you know all relationships were brought together because you you have a similar kind of wounding there's some kind of wounding that happens to match up Mm. and then it's like oh that's you know I have a scrape on that knee you know so that's then that's how it's set up so again it's been an evolution everything's perfect everything's right on time but I'm just saying that there there is it is the moment now for the feminine to be all that she is as a completely um, 
mm-hmm. connected sovereign being. Yeah. Oh, so good. Um, okay, these are the quick. These are actually quick, quick fires, um, and they're different from what you answered last time. But since you just traveled in here, what are some of your top travel tips or things to? stay plant powered and like cool self-aware of traveling well one thing that i do i have to do is is um i bring essential oils on the plane of some kind um just because i'm very sensitive to the smells and energy and also the plane air you know around me so um so i will do that um i i happen to travel with a beautiful um teacup ceremonial teacup with puer tea and uh, I'll get just a bunch of leaves on the bottom of the bowl, and I just fill that up the entire flight with continual stream of hot water. Oh, cool. So that's one thing that like I just do. like flight attendant? Yeah, or? I'll just walk back there, and I'll yeah. be like, can you fill this up? Yeah, and they're yeah. kind of like, really? <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, it just makes all the difference. Yeah. And I can put it in you know, a Ziploc bag and just put it in my backpack, and it seems yeah. to work really well. So that's one of that's one tip. I'm trying to think what else do I do to travel? Hmm. I do um I usually do yoga in the airport before I get on the plane, especially if it's a long flight. Cool. So I'll get in just a little bit of stretching and some, you know, some asana. I don't really care if people are are uh, watching or whatever. It's like it's rather take care of my body. Yeah. <laughs> and then also I I always um um like put like a really super heavy mask on my face or like get like a really emollient cream like a really good one and over put it on like before I go on the plane so that Mm. my face gets more moisture I love that what is the best thing that you've eaten in the last week my cheese (laughs) a specific one from the uh yeah uh, mozzarella in brine it's the delicious creamy uh, mozzarella cheese that's really good so my book was about journaling Mm -hmm. so i love to ask are you a journaler is journaling or writing a way that you kind of process your thoughts and feelings anything that you can yeah actually i um i um have this amazing pen i went to this spiritual community in dominher do you know about dominher it could be another podcast but it's a spiritual community in italy that was founded 30 years ago and i've been there twice and they have these temples to mankind inside the mountains and i've slept in the temples and the founder was a an alchemist and he created a lot of systems and um, tools that were made with spirals spirals of energy and metal and fluid and these spirals are inside the walls of these cool. temples. And when, for our first Italian retreat uh, two years ago, we took the crew to Dominher and we slept in the temples before we went to the retreat. Mm-hmm. And my son Trapper bought me this pen and I have this special pen that was designed by Falco, the founder. And it's a pen for channeling. It's supposed to open your channel to cool. your soul. So yes, in the morning, every morning when I wake up very early, I have three cups of pu'er tea, and I will keep that pen near me. And not every day, but in certain times, I channel messages from my soul to myself mm-hmm. with that through kind that of like pen. Morning pages, ish. Kind of ish. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Love that. <laughs> okay. What is your greatest lesson on relationships? Lesson or or knowledge or lesson whatever. Okay. Best, whatever. Um, communication 
is key. You got to communicate. And greatest lesson in family? Similar, probably. Communication seems like it would be a good one. Um, just, you know, each being is, is a divine design and is honored and loved that way. Mm-hmm. I love that. What do you think happens when we die? Where are you with that today? Mm-hmm. Um, what happens when we die is a multitude of outcomes. It depends on the person, their consciousness, what their belief system is, what their lineage is, what their plan is. Um, but there is no death. So it, life goes on and on. And um, yeah, that's where I am. What are you most looking forward to in your life? Hmm. fully embodying the divine feminine. Mm. How do you prevent slash handle stress when if it comes up? Yoga. Nice. Okay, this is one that's kind of um, fun and it's really just a way for you to recommend things. So mm. you're trapped on a deserted island and you can only bring with you one music, song, or artist, something, one movie, one TV show, one and one food, and one person. So those are them. Okay, I would bring Grizzly Bear, their latest album. Music. Yeah. Um, I saw them once. You did. Mm -hmm. And actually also Feist. Sorry, can I bring two? Yeah, of course. And Feist, her latest album, Pleasure. I would bring both both of those. I would bring Band-Aid. My friend Zoe and Daryl's movie. Seriously, really it's really it. funny. Really it is really funny. Cool. Okay, so that's music, food. Now what? Um, no, you didn't say food. Oh, I didn't say food. Music, movie. Yeah, so what would you bring? Food, I would take my food, my cheese. Nice. Um, and what was the other one? Person? Um, person and TV show, if you have one. Um, person is a rich role. <laughs> and TV show is the OA. Oh, I still haven't watched it yet. <gasps> oh my gosh. So, so many people have recommended that it's when I say so that It's so good. I yeah. just like, haven't had time. Oh, you have to have time. It. It's really good. It's really great. Okay, so the podcast name, since you last came on the show, has changed. Yes. And it is now called Let It Out. Yeah. So when I offer that term to you, yes. to let it out, what do you feel like you still need to let out? Do you feel like I wrung you dry for all your Julie Pyatt <laughs> wisdom? Anything you wish I would have asked you? <laughs> I think that uh, what I wanted, actually, what I do want to say is about the book. I don't think we talked about the book that much, but um, which is great. But um, I would say that um, the creamy, tangy, cheesy taste that you achieve with the recipes in this cheese is nuts will literally blow your mind. You are not going to believe what you can do. And please don't think that it's really, really difficult. So if you're interested in spiritual transformation and you want to cultivate that, listen to my podcast, Divine Through Line. I have now 91 episodes. I'll put all the links in. Yeah, so you could do that. And I don't know, I think that's it. I think we need to eat. Yes. All right, that's the episode with Julie Payette. I hope you liked it. Check out her book. Check out her book tour. She's coming to a city near you. She's a delight. She gives great hugs and she makes great food. All right. Thank you, Kara, for sponsoring the podcast. I love you. I love your supplements. I think you're great. 
Go to takecareof.com if you want to try them out and see for yourself that they're great and take the quiz. The quiz is great. I actually took the quiz and I was like, you know what, maybe I'll just find out what I need and then I can just go buy them in the store on my own. However, I realized I actually save money if I have care of do it for me and the packaging's really cute. So use my code Katie at checkout for 50% off and check out our new sponsor LBOX. They're great, 100% organic cotton, no toxins, no dyes, no synthetic materials. Also, they give you comfort items. Also, there's the first period box. They're great, check them out. Make sure you use the link in the show notes. All right, that's all we have for this week. The emoji I think is pretty obvious this week. It's a backpack. There's a backpack emoji. It's blue or it's red. It's red a red backpack. backpack. Should be yellow. Should be yellow. My backpack is yellow, but we found it. So, you know, we don't need to find that one anymore. <laughs> anyway, if you're still listening right now, you're a goddamn saint. So tweet at me the red backpack and put it on Instagram. Let's hang out on all of social media. I'm at Katie Dalebout and I'll talk to you guys next week. Love you. Bye. Bye.